ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve following White Sox Blue Jays series finale. Steve, we're coming off a major high from last night, and then today you get beaten up a little bit. Hey, yo, Johnny, very well said there to start things off. Bit of an emotional roller coaster with this team over the last probably uh, 20 hours or so, 20, 20. 18 to 20 hours the highs and lows of that game last night and then today just come out get kind of stomped early on in this thing make a valiant comeback try to get yourself back in this thing and ultimately fall short yeah uh it, it's tough to you know swallow that but at, at the end of the day since we're kind of looking you know a little bit like bigger picture on this we did not have a show after last night's marathon because we weren't getting home until uh the wee hours of the morning um overall you take two or three but I think it's the fashion in which today's game went down makes you feel worse because you get a couple of injuries pile up. You've got guys dealing with some soreness, trying to push through it. And obviously the big uh, crooked numbers early for Toronto didn't make you feel very good. No, it, it really didn't. And if this was a game that you would have lost maybe three to two or, or two to one, you could swallow that a lot easier than with everything that took place here this afternoon, it was just, it was a collection of different um, issues. Like you said, from a health standpoint, from a performance level standpoint with Lucas Giolito, which I'm sure we're going to dig pretty deep into here. Um, just an overall frustrating afternoon of baseball. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the injury report. Cause there's a lot of it. So this will be a little bit lengthier and then we'll have an even lengthier discussion about the on-field performance, but let's start injury report. First one to go down was Danny Mendick today. Collision down the left field line, Steve uh, with Adam Hazley. Jake Berger was in the vicinity too, but um, Danny Mendick looked like he was favoring that right leg and it didn't look good when he was coming off, not putting any weight on there. Um, you hate to see it happen on a play like this because it's avoidable. Yeah, we've seen this far too often with this squad for, I would say, probably about two, two and a half years now at this point. Just very poor communication on fly balls and pop-ups, defenders coming together far too often. I'm not really sure what exactly Daryl Boston is doing to try to help alleviate this issue and to try to prevent it from happening with as much regularity as it does. But obviously, whatever they're doing is not working because this just continues to be a problem. And you hope that Danny Mendick isn't seriously injured because he has provided quite a spark for this team over the last couple of weeks. And you would hate to see all of that kind of wiped away by an injury that frankly didn't need to happen and was caused again by just 
poor communication. Yeah, right. And it's yeah, especially tough when you, you it's one thing to lose a bench guy. You never want to see anyone get injured, but it's one thing if it's kind of a depth bench guy and you can kind of roll along and fill the void elsewhere. But Bendix's been the one helping fill that void. And I know that Tim Anderson's back. It just feels like this trade one for one that we've been doing all damn season. Uh, we've seen it with relievers. One arm comes back, one goes on the IL. We've seen it with position players, with Mancata uh, going down as soon as Timmy comes back. Um, but you know, it, it has nice as it's been to see Josh Harrison step up over the last two, the first two games of this series. I still have more faith in Danny Mendick to do it consistently. You're absolutely right. And we joke about this in the group text all the time that it's always something right. for whatever the reason, this team yeah. is just so snake bit this year that it almost is becoming a running joke at this juncture that they're just simply not going to have a fully healthy squad at any point this year and they're just going to have to plug and play and come to the reality that someone of a varying level of importance is going to be on the il at all times right yeah we just accept it and hashtag it's always something uh that, that uh kind of trend that we use uh on twitter.com when we're giving out some of these injury uh updates all right no further update after the game on mendic so we'll wait to hear from that check on tap for updates as they become available moving on to the next one adam angle uh couldn't really pinpoint exactly what happened here steve but he did not look right in his at bat in the third inning uh looked to be favoring his right leg as well and then they said it was hamstring right hamstring tightness that he exited with here uh this one is a little bit concerning just given adam angle's history of hamstring issues yeah this is very troubling given the fact that he missed what three three and a half months of the 2021 season with those hamstring problems so now you add that into the mix here and we all know what he has done defensively for this team, uh, filling in as a fourth outfielder. And the bat has been a little bit slow to get going this season, but we know that there is pop in that lineup, and, or excuse me, in that bat. And we know that he can provide some ver some versatility to this lineup and do some different things. So now you take that out of the equation here, and you're relying on someone like an Adam Hazley, uh, potentially, or looking at maybe Tony's baby boy, Gavin Sheets, getting the call back up here into the mix. But this, again, is just another another one of these lower body uh, soft tissue injuries that this team has been plagued with for several years now. Right, Mancata dealing with the hamstring right now as well. Um, obviously, you touched on Adam Engel and what that means for him there. Uh, I feel bad because, you know, granted, he wasn't going as well, I think, offensively as some of the other guys who have started to heat up as of late. However, he did have a nice RBI double um, to kind of kickstart a little bit of action in that game uh, last night. So th there have been little spurts here and there with Adam Engel. And then, of course, now he goes down with that hammy today. So once again, no further update from the White Sox on him uh, post game here, at least as of our recording, uh, you know, shortly after here, 40 p.m. Uh, after the game. Now let's move on to the next one. Luis Robert, uh, he left the game. This one not as serious, though. Said it was leg soreness. Um, he was removed. He, you know, they said he felt it in the sixth inning, but he stayed in until uh, through the seventh inning. Exits the game. They said he's expected to play tomorrow. So that's a good update there. Uh, would have been devastating to see another outfielder go down here, uh, especially after Adam Angle, too. All right. And then one that kind of is, you know, maybe a little bit concerning now. I know he's a warrior. This guy wants to play through everything, but Jose Abreu is. He is laboring whenever he has to run, man. He needs a few days off, I think. That's where I would go with this. Yeah, it is very apparent that there's something. It'll be very something... reluctant, I'll say that. But Yeah, 
it, it, it's very apparent that something is bothering Jose Abreu um, in, in the, from a lower extremity standpoint. You know, we obviously don't know what that is, and they may not release what that is publicly. I think it's going to be a scenario where he is going – we know he's going to fight tooth and nail to stay in this lineup at least in some capacity to DH. So this could give Andrew Vaughn an opportunity to play at first base for a little bit of time here and try to take some pressure off of Jose Abreu's legs, uh, letting him DH here a little bit. So I find it hard to believe that he's going to be taken out of the lineup. Maybe, maybe he doesn't play tomorrow as just a precaution. And then you see him DH the remainder of the series this weekend against Baltimore. But I would even be surprised by that. Just knowing his mentality and mindset. Right. Like you said, he's going to fight tooth and nail to get in there. Uh, he is going to be probably pestering Tony Larusa, even if he has to sit out in the dugout, I'm sure he will be and be clamoring for a pinch hit opportunity. If they do somehow uh, keep him out of the starting lineup, but I think it will be in his best interest and the team's best interest moving forward. Cause we still got a lot of baseball left to play this season. We ain't even at the all-star break yet. Shit. We're still like a month away from the all-star break here. So um, we're not even at the halfway point, right? Let's uh, get Jose Abreu right. Because obviously he is a key cog of this lineup right in the middle, right in the heart of the order there. Um, So that about wraps it up injury report wise. I am also, if you can see here, I am being further evaluated too. I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, cheering, pulled something cheering last night, you know, maybe a little oblique issue, but either way, uh, your podcast host, you're being further evaluated as well. So Johnny, you're just like the rest of us day to day. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. I feel like we've been hearing that a lot. The White Sox, hopefully we're not actually, you know what? I would be rather hear that than some uh, longer IL stints, especially as it pertains to Danny Mendick or Adam Engel uh, as we wrap up the injury section. All right, Steve, let's get to the on-field stuff. And obviously the headline here, is Lucas Giolito. Another rough start for him, man. It, it has been ever since May 31st, I believe that's when the stretch started. Obviously, that kind of coincides with him coming back from the COVID IL. Man, it has just been bad. Five innings today, 11 hits, seven earned runs, one walk, um, three strikeouts, two home runs allowed, and the one was an absolute tank by Bobichette for the grand slam. Uh, that was kind of like the salt in the wound there. But man, what's going on with Giolito? What's wrong with him? I can't really pinpoint it. You know, you can look at some of the some of the data points on things like baseball savant, look at the downtick in his velocity, the loss in spin on all three of his pitches, some of the changes in his vertical and horizontal movement patterns on his slider and changeup. And from an eye test standpoint, the one thing that I'm seeing right now is he's not fooling the hitters right now stone talks about this a lot and i think it's a very salient point from him in that you can tell the quality of a guy's stuff by hitters reactions in the batter's box and the hitters they seem like they are on just about everything right now there's nothing or you know there haven't really been many swings in the last three or four starts from giolito where you look where guys have that reaction like oh, wow what what was that or or whoa well, that wasn't in the scouting report so the stuff something is just off there. And is this a byproduct of his body just trying to get reacclimated from the COVID issue? It's entirely possible. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I play one in real life, but it's too early for me to speculate on that. So I don't want to even really go down that path. But at the end of the day, again, he's just not fooling anybody right now and the stuff just does not have that life to it that we are accustomed to seeing and that's gonna continue to be a problem here 
until he gets this thing figured out. Right. And, and I know one of the possible issues that we had talked about after his previous start, the, the most recent one before this was um, mechanical changes that he had been working on. Um, obviously he had a real rough go of it down in Houston. And he said, he, you know, he's going to work towards improving those moving forward here. I don't know about you, but just watching the very first inning, this is before any damage really got done though. Obviously he walks the leadoff guy. And in that he was yanking balls, just like really, really like, seems like, Whatever he's trying to do, he's trying to overcompensate or overdo it in a way if he is making mechanical changes because he was yanking them and then just like spiking some fastballs like into the dirt. It's like, okay, you can see that if it's like a slider that you're really trying to get bite, but maybe it's like, you know, uh, he's thinking too, too much about it. I know you have to be cognizant of it, especially when you're making changes and try to be consistent with it, but then you can also go ahead and physically overcompensate, and that may be where some of the issues are coming into play. But once again, that's just an eye test observation. Yeah, you know, there there are a couple of things and a couple of considerations that I have been wondering about recently. One of the things is, with Giolito being as tall as he is, he, he's six foot seven, so he's got very long levers to him. And for pitchers of that size, it is easy for them to get out of whack from time to time and have their body just getting out in what, what, you know, we would kind of call say getting out in front a little bit and not staying over the backside. You know, when you, when you are that long um, that sort of stuff can happen and it can just throw everything off and lead to, in some of those instances, like you talk about spiking fastballs in certain instances. So it's entirely possible that it could be a function of that at the same time too. One of the other things, and I don't know if a lot of people are really talking about this. Remember, at the very start of spring training, seeing the pictures of him and the 20 pounds of muscle that he put on over the course of the winter here, is it entirely possible that maybe some of the flexibility and some of the pliability that he had previously isn't there and is potentially compromising some of the stuff with his delivery and causing him to get a little bit out of whack there with the additional muscle mass? Again, I can't really speculate on that, but those are just two things that kind of have me wondering a little bit. Right. That's, you know, I think that's, that's a million dollar question right now. Everybody, excuse me. It's the multi-million dollar question, possibly hundreds of million dollar question here uh, that everybody's asking because obviously um, kind of a storyline surrounding him too uh, is eventually getting a payday. Would that be with the White Sox? What's that going to look like? Well, feels like he's, uh, Th that number is plummeting with each and every start that he goes out and struggles in. Now, it's not entirely out of the picture. Obviously, we know uh, what he can do when he's on. So uh, not entirely out of the picture that he could rectify this, turn around um, and be that guy and reestablish himself as number one down the road. But right now, it seems like a far cry from that. You're 100% right. And he's, you know, someone that he bet on himself. I know that the Sox made overtures to him. Uh, a couple of years back, trying to get him signed up on a, a multi-year deal. And he was willing to go out there and to bet on himself and not take that early extension deal, buying out some of the arbitration years and, and buying out a year or two of free agency. And now he's kind of at a little bit of a crossroads here. So he's in a position where he has to ultimately figure out what is going wrong. Him and Ethan Katz have to go back into the Katz lab, so to speak, understand and diagnose what the problems are here and get these fixed quickly here because the fact of the matter is given some of the other issues that this team has they need Lucas Giolito to be good if this thing is going to mean anything 
Right. Exactly. Exactly, Steve. I think you summed that up well there. So that's, that's our best guesses, speculation, um, observations on what is wrong with Lucas Giolito. So, Steve, let's let's move on to the next thing. Obviously, Toronto gets out to that big lead. The Bo Bichette Grand Slam makes it 7-0 there. White Sox don't get on the board until the bottom of the sixth. Um, you got Luis Robert with an RBI uh, single there. Um, unfortunately, Teoscar Hernandez took Matt Foster really deep. Uh, they put it up 9-1, to one, uh, but then White Sox make a little bit of a rally. Seventh, they get one back. Eighth, uh, they kind of put together this rally. I think it was Simber uh, on the bump um, that they were, you know, kind of taking advantage. Sure, there was a Blue Jays error in there, a uh, little infield single action, but uh, I, you know, you could call it hashtag fake rally if you want, when you don't fully come back and get it done. Um, but at the same time, this could have just been a very ugly loss from start to finish, um, showing some fight in there. There's no moral victories here, but if you do want to you know, talk about this team trending in the right direction mentality-wise, I think that would be the point that I would make there. No, you're absolutely right. Imagine the reaction, what would happen if this team would have ended up losing 9-2 today. People would have just said, oh, they got down early, they just cashed it in, you know, put their tail between their legs, and went home and said that they were happy getting two out of three. They fought back. They made it a respectable game. They got the tying run to the plate at one point in, in that eighth inning. And Josh Harrison missed a cock shot right down the middle yeah. um, in that at bat. And that was extremely frustrating right there. So they they had an opportunity to make this thing a game. We've seen that happen on the other side of the equation numerous times this year. And it would have been nice to see the Sox kind of follow through and turn the tables a little bit. Ultimately, they weren't able to get it done, though. And now we're playing butterfly effect here. But just imagine, imagine if Lurie Garcia can extend that inning to get Andrew Vaughn up with multiple guys on base. Yep. We may be talking about something because let, let's just talk about what this guy that, you know, I just brought up here. Three hit game for Andrew Vaughn again. They, this guy is on fire. I, I think I don't think it's a far cry to say, at least consistency wise, he's the best hitter in the game since the calendar flipped to June. I don't disagree with you. And I mean, I'm just wondering now if he's going to be enough to be able to acquire Sean Manaya. <laughs> love it. Love it. We're all about our humor here. Uh, it sucks on tap little jabs like that. Uh, so make the show fun, Steve. But yeah, uh, it, it is just impressive to see because it seems like every game seemingly is a multi-hit game for this guy. Uh, and he's, you know, hitting balls hard too. Like he had what, two singles off the wall too. We've seen four hit performances from him. Uh, we, we've seen him leave the yard, uh, you know, a number of times this year as well. So um, that's one positive. I think we should do uh, like, I think I want to take stones. Uh, you know, he kind of set the lead on this and some people have been clamoring for it uh, on, on Twitter as well. But the Andrew Vaughn deserves all-star spot, or at least he deserves the support of White Sox fans going out and voting him and at least giving him a chance to get there. He's going out there and he is being the top middle part of the order presence that this team was hoping that he was going to be when they drafted him number three overall out of Cal a couple of years ago. And you're seeing the refined offensive approach. And the thing that I particularly like about him, the walk numbers are down relative to where they were a year ago. But what he's doing is kind of similar to Tim Anderson in some respects where he gets himself into hitters counts, 201, 3-1, and he's looking to do damage on the baseball. That's a far cry from some of the other guys that we've seen on this team that we have admittedly been critical of at times for being a little too passive, for lack of a better term, when it comes to being in the batter's box. Andrew Vaughn is going up there. He's looking to do damage um, to the baseball, and he's doing that with regularity. There have not been very many times in the last month or so that he's gotten a pitch to hammer that he has missed. I know, I mean, there was one up in Toronto 
a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm struggling to think of many other instances when he's gotten pitches to hammer and has not been able to take advantage of late. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a uh, slight for sore eyes. I think uh, when you're talking about, especially given the struggles that the white Sox had early on in the season, all across the lineup. But when you have a consistent force like that, obviously you've been hitting in the two hole here um, as of late. So it is very, very nice to just have that and kind of know that he's going to be an anchor of the offense. Like you always need an anchor of the pitching staff. Well, right now, Andrew Vaughn's your anchor on offense. So let's get AV to LA. Uh, that'd be my, uh, you know, prod to white Sox fans uh, vote, vote Andrew Vaughn for the MLB all you're saying you're saying we need a meeting of the av club in hollywood right yeah yeah we do we do av club meets in hollywood in mid-july so that, that's that's what i want to see i want to see that because you can make an argument that just given the injuries and i'm sure you know if tim anderson was healthy the full way through uh that he could be a guy there too and i'm sure he'll get his share of votes uh for being the name that he is but realistically andrew vaughn's pretty much your only all-star on this team let's be real yeah given the I first half performance right yeah, it's it's the it's those two guys right there. There's there's nobody else really worthy of discussion at this juncture here. The only thing is just the, given the tough crowd um, with outfielders in the American League, I think that could represent a challenge for right. Andrew Vaughn. Um, we know that no White Sox, you know outfielder is going to get voted into the all-star game. So that's not going to happen. So you start looking at some of the reserve options that are out there. And then you have to play this little chess game of each team has to have a representative and all that little, you know, little league bullshit that would you that call it Mickey Mouse it. bullshit? <laughs> I, in fact, you know what? I would call it Mickey Mouse bullshit because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. The Oakland A's don't deserve to send anybody to the fucking all-star game. Right. I agree. hundred percent. Right. The so. Detroit Tigers don't deserve to send anybody to the all-star game. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe, 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 the, maybe Bobby Witt Jr. from Kansas City, but otherwise, who deserves to go from that team? So there's three yeah. teams right there. Yeah. But you know, we got to make more. everybody feel good. Yeah. Right. Right. Participation awards, Steve. So, um, all right. L- last thing from this game. Uh, I know, you know, it wasn't pretty, especially with Foster giving up that big bomb to Hernandez. You don't like to see a guy drop the bat like that on you. But um, these guys uh, that were, you know, Foster was out for the last three days on bereavement list. He returns, eats up an inning and two thirds, I believe there. Uh, and then Tanner Banks gets two and a third as well. So um, not taxing the bullpen, especially after an extra innings game and you don't have a day off ahead of a four game series uh, upcoming here, at least that was another um, positive I could take away from this game. Yeah, you still have eight days until your next off day. So um, you got these four coming up here over the weekend against Baltimore, which I think a lot of people are sleeping on the offense of the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, that team has been scoring runs with regularity. And now you add highly regarded prospect Adley Rushman into the mix here. That's a team that they can do some damage if you make mistakes in the strike zone with them. And then you got to go out to you got to go out to Anaheim and you got to deal with Trout and Otani. So it's not going to be an easy stretch by any or by any means. But you know, we're not talking about the Yankees. We're not talking about you know Tampa or or Toronto or Houston here. So um it is a little step below that here but they got to keep their foot on the gas here they've got an opportunity this weekend if you can go out there if you can win this series get three out of four all of a sudden now you're going to be in a little bit better position here before you have to get on that plane and make that long trek out to boring ass anaheim Right. Stealing a uh, tweet from our guy, Sox Insane. Um, he had said, sure, uh, this game, you know, sucks. This is during the game. They said, you know, it sucks when we're getting like routed like this. But at the end of the day, you're probably expected two of three would have been solid yeah. from Toronto. And then if you can go and do just what you said, 
three or four uh, over the against the Orioles. That's a pretty successful homestand in my book. I don't know about you. We talked we talked about this in in the group thread here. I think the expectation for the week was find a way to go five and two. If you do that, you're going to be in a in a good spot overall. You will get on that plane um, to go out west to California above 500 for the first time in God, ages at, yeah. at this point. And that's really what you got to do is you got to see this team starting to build a little bit of momentum here. Um, obviously, you got Cleveland and Minnesota playing again tonight here. The one thing that I'm going to be kind of keeping my eye on is if the Indians find a way to win that game, Again, tonight here, the Sox would be six back in the loss column of Cleveland. And nobody's talking about that. Everybody's kind of had the focus on Minnesota. Cleveland actually jumped them uh, by percentage points yesterday. Now, the other thing, too, is that the Guardians have three games in hand on the Sox. So they got to start kind of chipping away at that here, continue winning some series. They've got an opportunity to do that here with this little pocket in the schedule. They got to take advantage. Right, and you're going to have a lot of head-to-head matchups with both the Twins and the Guardians coming up, too. So it'll be paramount uh, to take care of business during those stretches. But until then, I agree with you. Keep winning series should be uh, the mentality here. And, hey, you can get a sweep here, a four-game sweeper of uh, you know Baltimore. Maybe you overachieve a little bit there. Gives you a little breathing room and one where you maybe let up or the bullpen's tired or you have some injuries or you got a um, you know, getaway day lineup or some something like that happens. Uh, anything you can do ahead of time uh, to prepare for that uh, will just put you in a better position in the future. So let's talk this first matchup. It'll be Thursday night. Um, White Sox Orioles from guaranteed rate field. It's Johnny Cueto on the bump. Outstanding last time out in Houston against a very tough lineup. Obviously not the same uh, level of competition. I know we're not going to sleep on the Orioles offense here, but in the same breath, it is not the Houston Astros offense. So Cueto day, Dia de Cueto. What are we expecting? Go out there, have that shimmy in full effect. Changing speeds, changing arm angles, mixing things up on that Oriole lineup. Listen, Johnny Cueto is a veteran. He he goes out there. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to get people out. And one of the things that's going to be key tomorrow here, given the length of this game yesterday and the fact that they weren't able to get much length out of Lucas Giolito here today, it is going to be imperative that Johnny Cueto can find a way to go out there and give this team 18 to 21 outs. Yeah, he, if he could if he could get this team through the seventh inning tomorrow, that would be a huge huge boost for this team. They desperately need him to go out there tomorrow and provide some length. Hey, recent trends, seven in Houston against that lineup. So yep. uh, granted, they, the offense did spot him, uh, you know, put him with some run support. So let's, let's, let's run that back. Let's run that back, dude. What we did on Saturday in Houston against those Astros, bring it to the South side here, do it against the Orioles. I think that would be, you know what? The biggest thing for me with Johnny Cueto is it's a stabilizer, right? Um, because you, you, we know we just discussed earlier in this episode, Lucas Giolito's struggles. Uh, and you have a game like that where, where you get lit up early. Um, it doesn't feel good, but you can come out and rectify that by having a veteran presence, a guy who knows how to get guys out, be the stabilizer. And I think Johnny Cueto can do just that to open the series. And I think that's one of the reasons why they looked to bring him on board this season. You know, guys like him and Lance Lynn that have been around for extended periods of time that understand the ebbs and flows of a baseball season that have been part of championship teams and know what it's like to go through struggles to be able to help pull some of these guys out of this, the Dylan Cease, the Lucas Giolitos, the Michael Kopechs of, of the world. So Johnny Cueto, Go out there, be the leader that uh, you've shown yourself to be throughout the course of your career. Set the tone, set the example, 
Give me 21 outs tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Now I know our fellow Sox on tap panelists will probably be queuing up Johnny Cueto for his pick to click. He's a big pitcher guy, Sean Roberts, that is, uh, when he's talking about his picks to click. But give me yours for the series opener against Baltimore. Uh, who, who's on the mound for Baltimore tomorrow? Who we got? It will be Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer. Kramer, whatever. <laughs> um, I am going to go ahead then in that instance, and I am going to – If he's in the lineup, I'm going to say Luis Robert. Okay. Now, there was obviously some some issues with him today, and one of the things that Stephen Stone was highlighting was a lack of focus and a lack of hustle that took place in that sixth inning um, on a single that probably should have been a double, and he highlighted and talked about the infamous Andrew Jones incident where Bobby Cox pulled him out of center field in the middle of an inning. Yeah. Maybe Tony La Russa has a little talking to with La Pantera after the game here today. Just kind of reinforces the need for him to go out there and have maximum effort all the time, be the player that he can be. And I'm looking for him to go out there and uh, have some fireworks yeah. on the south side. Yeah, it could, could be a uh, – that is a scenario, but masked by uh, leg soreness. That's what they deemed it. But it's expected to be in the lineup tomorrow. So I think you're good. good bet uh, that – uh, your pick to click has at least a chance uh, to cash for that. All right. Um, I will go with a Mr. Jake Berger. Um, I would imagine if uh, one Jose Abreu is getting the day off there, I need another big bet step up and Jake Berger can do that. I know we had a little uh, dink infield um, RBI single today, but uh, I'll, I'll go with Jake Berger. It's been a little bit since I picked him. So um, that'll about wrap it up here. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to Socks on Tap. We appreciate you. As always, make sure you're subscribed to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube so you can join the conversation and we can feature your comments, get some discussion going here on the live stream. Go ahead and check us out on tapsportsnet.com and on social media at Socks on Tap at ONTAP Sportsnet. All right, Steve, two, three, eight, two, bad. Let's go out, take this weekend series against Baltimore. And until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs> <laughs>